This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White. I'm here today with Wilts Cotrere and Jeremy Thompson. And we want to hear from you this morning. We'd love to take your calls. 877-MPB-RING is the number. 877-672-7464. You can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. And... Uh, there's a lot, as always, to get into do, in, into today. Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio show about consumer technology and your very own personal IT department all wrapped up into one convenient package. Jeremy, I hope you fix it. Will, to help you keep it safe. And both can do either well, so we're in good hands either way. Again, the number this morning, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? How are you? Good morning, Jay. Wonderful. How are you doing this morning, Jay? Oh, hanging in there. Uh, <laughs> our our renovations and and whatnot have made for an interesting morning. So I've kind of been having to juggle the control room a little bit. I was uh, engineering the show before this one, and usually this is when I'm trying to like fine tune the show. You know, turn a couple of loose screws and make sure the bolts are all tight and everything on our show. Didn't have a chance to do that today, so kind of running. What you're saying is you have a few screws loose. Yes, I'm running with my, uh, I'm running with my rear end in my hands this morning with the show, so to speak. If you couldn't hear that already, but it's good to hear uh, you two guys this morning. And uh, there's plenty to uh, dig into uh, in the news uh, this week. Something I do want to get to this week that we talked a little bit about last week, but did not get a chance to. Uh, the this you know three U.S. Uh, federal government agencies uh, get a D rating in their uh, in their cybersecurity um, ratings, and that's not good. I don't know if that's necessarily surprising, but that's uh, not good. And then um, right, and then uh, another thing uh, that I do want to dig into. I think we've teased this several times over the last couple of weeks, and then we always run into a bunch of calls and we run out of time, is uh, a, a, a priest who's been tracked down because of uh, app security information that was brokered and uh, it wound up uh, catching him with his hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. But again, the number is 877-672-7464, 877-MPB-RING. Uh, Jeremy, Wilts, it was great to have you guys in studio last week. Now kind of back to uh, the old grind. Uh, Jeremy, how's this week been uh, at the store? Oh, it's been going pretty good. Uh, I had a lot of weekend work. Uh, a friend of mine runs a, a machine shop up in Purvis, and uh, he needed some help setting up his machines on his network so that he could drag and drop jobs to him rather than uh, walking all the way across his shop uh, to whichever machine he was running a program on at the time, putting a flash drive in it, pulling up the program and all. He said, you know, we just don't have enough flash drives to go around. So now uh, we've resolved that problem for him, uh, which is really cool. Um, it's a lot of fun to work on that kind of stuff. I like 
you know, coming into someone's business and showing them uh, ways that they can do tech better and ways that tech can serve them and save them time. Efficiency is a big goal of mine, and um, he is very, very pleased with uh, what we've got going on now. I've still got one machine over there. It's a uh, it's a CNC router uh, that I have to uh, figure out how to network, but all the other ones are online, and he is doing his thing. So it was a fun project. All right. Uh, and again, that's, um, that's uh, computer doctors and phone surgeons in Hattiesburg. I encourage you to take a look at that, check it out. And, uh, you know, Wilts, IT expert at Newcore Steel, but also IT instructor at Holmes Community College. It's, uh, it's school time again, Wilts. How's your, uh, how, how's your life changed over the last few weeks because of all of uh, what's going on? Well, we're still trying to kind of really figure out what's going on. Right. Um, unfortunately, attendance gets a little bit slow here and there. So um, we're just kind of hoping that the classes actually make this go around. It's not, uh, it's not looking like we're getting a, a whole bunch of students out there. I think a lot of people are kind of in the what's going on phase as well. Certainly, indeed. And I think uh, a lot of people are anticipating a lot of change that's going to happen regardless. Uh, it's almost hard to plan for, you know, what's going to be going on. I know I, mean, I have a, a student in middle school, uh, one that's just started high school, uh, or two in middle school, one just started high school, and one that's in their last year of uh, elementary school. Um, or no, sixth grade is middle school now. I get that confused. It wasn't like that when I was a kid. So three in middle school and one in starting high school. So, yeah, uh, it, they go right. to three different schools collectively. Don't ask long story. Um, yeah, I just moved my, uh, my moved my <laughs> one back up to Oxford to start his junior year. And, well, tomorrow moving my youngest to start her freshman year up there. So There you go. They're getting all your money. Yeah, at the university. Exactly. Don't blink, man. It goes quick. <laughs> right, right. All right. 877-MPB-RING is the number. 877-672-7464. Let's welcome in Mike, who is in Hernando. Mike, thanks for calling this morning. What's going on? Uh, I hope this is not outside the realm of the uh, program, but uh, I know you're primarily dealing with computers. However, um, <clears throat> I'm considering buying an electric car. And I wondered your insight on installing a charger in my garage. I know there's level one, two, and three. Level two is more common. Level three is for more powerful electric cars. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to hook the thing up at night and sit there for 14 hours. And I was wondering if you guys have any insight from that vantage point of what would be advisable to have installed in my garage for an electric vehicle. You know, I'd love to say uh, that we were the right people to answer this that. question for you, but um, we uh, we really don't have a lot of experience with that. It's sort of a fix-it 101 and an autocorrect question yeah, uh, that. combined that. into one yeah, I, I knew that. and then brought to everyday tech. So, uh, <laughs> Wilts, do you have any info in this department? Uh, I have. I have no idea. I've got a 1971 VW Beetle sitting in my garage, so <laughs> I'm about as far away. So, from uh, as quick Google search out. here looks like you uh, you need about a 50 amp circuit. Um, right. Other than that, uh, I would I would be I would check and make sure that you have enough uh, amps going to your breaker box, or or enough amps on that particular breaker. Um, I, I really don't know what else to say. Um, yeah, I don't either. I really don't. I've been reading about them, and I know they're exploding onto the market. Um, manufacturers are bringing out electric cars almost every day, and there's going to be a major shift that direction, and I'm puzzled. You know, I'm like, dang, what, am, what should I do? Uh, you don't just buy one and drive off and plug it into the wall socket. And... Uh, that from that vantage point, I've been reading the press and looking online, and the 50 amp I understand. Um, I have uh, a dryer in the house that's on a 240, but I'm wondering is that sufficient or should I have somebody come and check? I would definitely consult a professional on this one. Um, I, I do see that there are different levels of chargers, um, yeah. so. Uh, there are some that plug into a standard house plug and they deliver about eight amps. 
Um, right. So it will recharge. Uh, it, so it says like the average car is driven about 40 miles a day, and uh, an eight-hour charge will get you that 40 miles back. And then you've got your uh, level two, which um, looks like you get. Um, this is so hard to uh, to dig through and see. I, I'm, it looks like there are some that will plug in directly, uh, but they are not um, super efficient. I mean, an eight-hour charge for 40 miles. I mean, that's that's that seems kind of long to me. Uh, so I would look too. into the level two. Um, well, unlike you guys, I just don't want to purchase an electric car and then discover it's going to take 18 hours to charge it. I'm like, you know, the next day you got to get up and go to work. Well, but, I, I know well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I've read I'm, a couple of I'm stories. Research, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to research this a little bit more, and I'm going to readdress this in a future show because we do need to know stuff like this. And, you know, we're just kind of figuring out as we go. So I would like to uh, come back to this possibly next week after I've done a little research and I've gotten a little more uh, versed on what the different levels are. I didn't know there were different levels. I didn't know anything about it. I know I've got a friend who's got a Tesla who plugs his into a plug outside of his house. Um, and uh, he seems to be very happy with that arrangement. Let me, let me ask you this. If you do that uh, next week or in the next few weeks, it would be helpful to those of us who are not as knowledgeable about electricity as we are about gasoline. You fill your car and you know how many miles per gallon you're going to get, and you can roughly estimate where you're going to go. But kilowatts, I mean, who in the world understands that? And that's one of the puzzlements that no one has has uh, developed a primer for the illiterate drivers that are looking at an electric car and say, what does that mean? You know, I get so many kilowatts uh, per mile. That don't make, That doesn't register. If you get an opportunity and can, uh, I would appreciate if you guys could put out a basic primer of what you need to know about how electricity works, how it translates into mileage, etc. cetera. Uh, well, I would I certainly love to know this information as well. So I will magic. definitely follow up on this, and I will, uh, I will definitely be getting back to that topic. All right, Mike, we appreciate the call this morning. I will also say that I've, I've seen a couple of different stories about uh, the big infrastructure bill that is uh, the one that's finally being passed and pushed through and that I guess everybody's on the same page with. And uh, I've seen a couple of different opinion pieces that have talked about how uh, folks are disappointed uh, with uh, the, I, I guess, people anticipated with this infrastructure bill and, and this this change of parties at the top and the more progressive party uh, pushing hard for you know, uh, more efficient electric vehicles and things like that and trying to move away from, you know, gasoline and petroleum and all that. And evidently uh, the compromises that they've reached on this bill are super disappointing to those people because it doesn't really push um, the, the, the auto industry any closer to electric batteries or, or anything like that. And uh, there's, there's basically the same incentive to switch off of gas as there was before. So the, the, I heard you say at one point, it looks like everything is moving in that direction. And I think that's what a lot of people have assumed for a long time. And eventually we'll get there, but I just don't think it's, it's not that time yet. So yeah, uh, it is something to look into like, still, and it's very cool technology. And uh, I, I mean, I feel like it's something the world definitely needs to get to quickly. Uh, but the people that own all the gasoline have a lot of money and a lot of lobbyists. So uh, they're not out of they're They're not out of clout yet. <laughs> right now, the uh, projection is that 40 to 50 percent of uh, automakers vehicles will be electric by 2030. So we're still in the infancy of that project and there will definitely be better solutions coming along in the future. All right, we'll take our first break of the hour here. We certainly would love to hear from you this morning. 877-MPB-RING is the number, 877-672-7464. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. With Wilts and Jeremy, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening this morning. You can give us a call. As you just heard, 877-MPB-RING is the number, 877-672-7464. So, uh, again, a lot of interesting things to talk about. Um, Wilts, again, I've kind of teased this story for a couple of weeks now, but I do want to know what you guys think about this. Uh, The State Department and three other U.S. agencies earn a D for cybersecurity, this is a story I got off uh, Ars Technica. Cybersecurity at eight federal agencies is so poor that four of them earned grades of D, three got C's, and only one received a B. But they're walking around like big man on campus right now with their B. That was in a report <laughs> issued a couple of weeks ago by uh, the U.S. Senate Committee. It's clear that the data entrusted to these eight key agencies remains at risk the 47-page report states, as hackers, both state-sponsored and otherwise, become increasingly sophisticated and persistent, Congress and the executive branch cannot continue to allow uh, hackers and national security secrets, uh, or excuse me, um, uh, intelligence and national security secrets to remain vulnerable. The report issued by the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs comes two years after a separate report found systematic failures by the same eight federal agencies, so obviously they're worried about it, uh, in complying with federal cybersecurity standards. The earlier report found that during the decade spanning 2008 to 2018, the agencies failed to properly protect personally identifiable information, maintain a list of all hardware and software used on agency networks, and install vendor-supplied security patches in a timely manner. Don't we all? The 2019 report also highlighted that the agencies were operating legacy systems that were costly to maintain and hard to secure. Don't we all? All eight agencies, including the Social Security Administration and the Departments of Homeland Security, (laughs) irony, uh, state uh, transportation, housing and urban development, agriculture, health and human services and education. That's basically everything. Failed to protect sensitive information they stored or maintained. Uh, the report titled Federal Cybersecurity, America's Data Still at Risk. That's so good. Uh, analyzed security practices by the same agencies for 2020. It found that only one agency had earned a grade of B for its cybersecurity practices last year. What this report finds, uh, what this report finds is stark, says the report. Inspectors General identified many of the same issues that have plagued federal agencies for more than a decade. Seven agencies made minimal improvements, and only DHS, the Department of Human Services, managed to employ an effective cybersecurity regime for 2020. As such, this report finds that these seven federal agencies still have not met the basic cybersecurity standards necessary to protect America's sensitive data. Again, the State Department, D, Department of Transportation, D, Department of Education, D, oh boy, Social Security Administration, D, Department of Agriculture, C, Department of Health and Human Services, C, and Department of Housing and Urban Development, C, Department of Homeland Security, B, at least they, (laughs) you'd think they understand, Uh, so good for them for, you know, hey guys, this is serious, but yeah, how about that? The State Department, Transportation Department, and the Department of Education, as well as Social Security, all Ds. I'm I'm not not surprised. Um, You know, they don't have the budget for these projects. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Both of y'all are going at the same time. Let me get Wilts first on this one. I was going to say, I I, I work for for the 
state for about 20 years in IT, so um, <laughs> this report does not surprise me whatsoever. Not in the slightest, because in, in general, agencies, and, you know, sorry, it's just the truth, are reactionary. Until it breaks, they don't really want to hear anybody talking about what we need to do to secure it. Um, it's kind of, you know, it, it's sad to say, but you almost every now and then need a really nasty viral infection to get people to pay attention because it's not, it's not fun to go in there and, you know, they don't want to hear about, hey, we need XYZ money to run this program or to get this equipment or we need to set this policy. I mean, shoot, thank God for auditors. If it wouldn't have been for the auditors backing us up on a few things, you couldn't get people to put in just basic security policy at, you know, agencies like, well, you know, yeah, we had this rule, but we got to make this exclusion for this particular person over here because they're important and we don't think they should actually have to have their email filtered and uh, they need to be able to go to whatever websites they want to go to because they have these initials behind their name. So, yeah, I, I get a really, really, really big soapbox when it comes to this because I've just seen it so dang much. They're not going to secure it until someone actually comes down and says, we're going to secure it. And as long as you make exclusions and as long as you make exceptions, and as long as you make a budgetary process that says, we're not going to spend all the money until, oh, hey, tell you what, this last month before it's use it or lose it, maybe we'll go ahead and spend a little bit of money on that stuff you've been asking us for for the last year. It's the way it goes. And as long as they're doing that, those grades aren't going to improve. I'm actually surprised anybody got above a C. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, and we're about to go to the phones here in just a second. We got Jamie and Luce Dale. Hang on, Jamie. Um, it, evidently, it's not just that the department's which I assume many of them don't want to budget for it or maybe don't have the budget, uh, don't want to cut out or carve things out of their existing budget to make more room for stuff like this. But evidently it's it's not just um, an access issue, but it's also seemingly a maintenance issue. How about this? Um, uh, the State Department failed to shut off thousands of accounts after extended periods of inactivity on both its classified and sensitive but unclassified networks. According to the Inspector General, some accounts remained active for as long as 150 days after employees quit, retired, or were fired. Former employees or hackers could use those unexpired credentials to gain access to the state's sensitive and classified information while appearing to be an authorized user. The Inspector General warned that without resolving issues in this category, quote, the risk of unauthorized access is significantly increased. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's leaving yourself a, open to like a, a, a grizzled or, or disgruntled former employee that wants to just come in and do a bunch of damage. And you know, I mean, they're basically leaving the door open for him to do that. Well, I ran a password audit one time um, using a program that I actually found that somebody maliciously had put onto an agency um, computer and was able to crack and under three seconds, seventy seven percent of all the passwords oh, the agency that I was at. Yikes. Wow. Under three seconds. I had ninety nine of them within five minutes. Ninety nine percent. And this was a fairly important agency. Um that just didn't, you know, but it didn't change much. Um yeah, we we, we don't um uh, we don't think about it until something happens. It's kind of like you don't think about insurance until something happens to your house or your car. Um, right, yeah. The people, like whenever in a classroom, I'll ask, hey, how many people in here back up your data? Without fail, for all the years that I've been teaching, the only hands that ever go up are people who have lost their data before. Yeah. Everyone else is responding, oh, I don't have anything, I don't have anything that I, I couldn't lose until they lose it. it it's and, Until we can change that mindset, um, you know, it's just, and there's so much red tape that goes around and you can't just move and you can't be dynamic. And, and again, I'll just repeat it. 77% of passwords to a government agency, a regulatory government agency in under three seconds. That's incredible. Jeremy, you were, you were, you were locked and loaded with some, with a take, uh, right at, uh, as, as I finish the story here, what, what was your thoughts on this? Yeah, sorry. I uh, I'm having trouble hearing Wilts and some of the callers, so it's it's very low volume compared to you, Jay. Um, I, I have worked for so many companies that roll their eyes at the expenses that IT demands, 
And you can do that for so long until you're really going to regret it. I, I've, I've, I've talked to owners of companies and I've been like, look, I know that this is expensive, but this is something that you need to have somebody. It doesn't have to be me, but you need to have somebody come in and do it. And if you don't do it, then you're going to regret it. And they're like, nope, we've already spent too much money on this project. We want you out of here. Go. And that very same company about a year and a half later got hit with ransomware that crawled from a user's computer all the way to their server because they did not want to pay for somebody to stay and secure those things and to prevent them from happening. So what would have cost them maybe let's say $2,000 to to go through the company and secure everything ended up costing them twice that just because they refused to listen. They refused to prioritize it. If it's like Will said, if it's not an issue, then they're not going to, they're not going to worry about it. They're not going to have to do anything about it until it's too late and everybody's sorry and they wish they had done it and they're kicking themselves in the rear, but it's too late. Yeah. And when I see these D's and these C's, all I see is a lack of budget. So if we don't present these things to our government and say, you need to care about these things, they're not going to. And in most cases, they just, they just don't want to. IT is expensive because you have to pay people that know what they're doing to go in and secure your company against these things. No, it's not cheap, but it protects you from exposing your user data, which can also put you at risk of being sued because you didn't secure said data properly. Yeah. But this happens mm. all the time. We hear about big companies getting attacked because there's not enough infrastructure, there's not enough security to protect them from these things. Hear about it all the time, indeed. 877-MPB-RING is the number, 877-672-7464. Jamie's been holding patient for, patiently for us in Loosedale. Jamie, go right ahead. What's going on? Hey, I just wanted to talk to you about the infrastructure bill and things. I have a daughter that works in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. for the National mm-hmm. Association of Manufacturers. Okay. And she works in the uh, economics and the, the energy side of that. Two weeks ago, a company called Pat Car, which owns Peterbilt and Kenworth semi-trucks that you see on the road all the time, revealed, or I guess unveiled, revealed uh, an electric Peterbilt semi-truck. Wow. And a Kenworth hydrogen-powered semi-truck. Wow. And so she sent pictures. And I'll, I'll email you a picture of her in the truck and everything. It's kind of neat seeing it, you know, Capitol Hill, the Capitol behind her and all that kind of stuff. So, But it's what I found interesting. It is, it's a joint venture between Patcar, Toyota, a battery company that I didn't recognize the name, and Shell Oil. So... You know, they're all working both sides. So whatever happens with infrastructure, you know, if it goes to the petroleum side, uh, you know, companies are looking for that money. If it goes to the wind and solar, they're looking for that money also. That's so smart. I they're just, hedging their bet. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I just, but, you know, there's there's things in the pipeline coming along. You know, I, I would have never thought that we would be looking at a semi-truck. Actually, I'm in a Kenworth truck right now. But, uh, it, you know, diesel powered that I would never dream that you would be looking at a semi-truck that would be battery operated or hydrogen operated before we had domestic cars running up down the road all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and look, I mean, if so much stuff happens, you know, with, with tractor trailers, I mean, that's how all of our stuff gets moved around by and large. Uh, the, the companies that, that own all those trucks, I mean, if, 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 if it can be advantageous for them, I could see that's that more so than, you know, necessarily a consumer-driven product like you know home automobiles. I could see why they would they would have an incentive to see, you know, to try to push people in that direction more so than right. than. I mean, it's I I mean I understand. I'm not trying to uh, you know frame an argument one way or the other, but I mean the the automobile industry as it as it works now it still works really really well for automakers right. so oh, it, you yeah, know. yeah and and, and they and everybody's you know they're they're trying they're playing both sides of the fence if yeah. it's electric or if it's you know petroleum based power or whatever but she did a a, a study abroad program in the country of Moldova uh, two or three years ago and their transportation in the city was this. Uh, Moldova is a former Soviet 
Union country, and they're the poorest former Soviet country in Europe. But they're more of an agricultural company, a country. But she, their transportation through the city was these buses like you would see just in regular cities. But they ran off of electricity, off of rails like a, a, a trolley car or whatever you would have. But yeah. then when they got to the end the electric source, then they fired up the old diesel engine and went on out into the country. I just found, you know, that just, I guess, diversity of what, yeah. you know, maybe that's where we need to be headed to is the diversity of things and, and kind of blend it all in because it's in the, in the, the long run, the, the big companies, the petroleum and electrical, the energy companies, I guess we should call them, is, that's, the, that's the ones that's going to create it, whether it's petroleum or wind and, and uh, solar. So that just anyway, I'll send you all a picture. pretty neat to see this truck. looks basically like a just a semi-truck, but it's just, you know, uh, runs off of batteries. Jamie, man, thanks for the call this morning. We really do appreciate it. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. And his uh, his, his uh, baby girl there working on the uh, up up at the Capitol. That's pretty cool too. But that is interesting. Like I'm a I'm a public transportation dork. That just fascinates me for some reason. And uh, that's interesting to think about in places where you basically have trolley cars that get to the end of the electric line and then you, know, you just unhook and now it's a car. That's pretty cool. Taking a, taking advantage of the best of both worlds there. 877-MPB-RING is the number. You can call us up, 877-672-7464. I think I just put about five extra numbers in there. I'm going to do that again. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Plenty of stories to dig into. Uh, Jake. Yeah, go ahead. I, I really want to talk about privacy, man. We have... We have uh, we have uh, touched on this issue, just just saying that we were going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But now we've got other issues in the pipeline. So, um, may I discuss the uh, the Monsignor? Yeah. Well, yeah. Let me, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into it as soon as we get back. All right. All right. All right. Eight seven seven MPB ring is the number. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back. Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 877 672 7464. This is MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jay White. I'm here with uh, Wilts Contreras and Jeremy Thompson this morning. And guys, uh, I know both of you got a, a lot more to talk about some of the things we've brought up on the table this morning. Jeremy, you were talking about uh, something you wanted to get into right before this break. So go right ahead. So I want to preface this by saying that we are huge proponents of privacy, user privacy, uh, privacy of uh, individuals' data with companies. It, it is so important that these companies do the right things with the data that they collect from us. But we know from all the jokes that we make about tech companies doing the wrong things that they don't. And a really good example of this was something that happened last month to Monsignor Jeffrey Burrell, who was the General Secretary of the U.S. Bishops Conference. It was discovered that this individual was uh, going to meet men at gay bars um, using app that they purchased that was harvested by the app Grinder. Um, 
you know, when it comes to what a person does in their personal life, you know, I understand that he's a high up individual in the church, but the way that this information was ascertained and the way that he was outed in my personal opinion was wrong. And he should be able to sue someone for this because he has lost his job. He has been smeared all over the Catholic community, which I'm not really a part of, but it doesn't matter because the bigger issue is that this could happen to anyone. If a third party can go and purchase your information from a company to find out where you go, what you do and where you frequent, that is very scary. And they can absolutely do this. Every time you open an app on your phone, it asks you if you want to agree to the terms and conditions. And we all just hit yes, because we just want to use the app to look at pictures of cats on the internet or whatever the case may be. But we are glossing over allowances and access to information that we don't necessarily want anyone to have. And I personally believe that no one should have this information, but because this is a way that a lot of these apps generate revenue, they collect this information by the handfuls and then they sell it to whoever wants it. We want to make sure that the people that listen to this show understand that there are lots of terms and conditions that you agree to that you have no idea just exactly what you are allowing other people access to. And we trust these tech companies with far too much of this information that they will sell to not even the highest bidder, just whoever hands them the cash that they demand for that chunk of data. And while we are guaranteed, at least in a lot of cases, that this information remains anonymous, we can see from a case where Monsignor Jeffrey Burrell was absolutely not anonymous and he was outed by the Catholic Church and he's lost his job because of things that he did when he was not at work. Again, I don't think that his position should have anything to do with this. This is so much bigger than that because this is about our private lives. It may not necessarily matter if I agree or you agree with what he did, this is what we do when we clock out, and that should not be exposed. That should not get you fired from your job. Now, this particular case, I get it. He's high up in the church. It's very controversial. Um, the Catholic Church has enough problems with issues like this, um, so I guess they wanted to show that they're doing something about it. Although, again, I think they went the completely wrong way about doing it by exposing this individual to the public, and I hope that he has some legal recourse. Whoops. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. We, we've we mentioned it, Lord, over the years. I don't know how many times it's kind of brought on up. You know, it, it's almost a running joke within within the IT community. I mean, we just kind of, you know, we click accept and move on, and the amount of data that we just constantly, you know, give up. I've mentioned this to my kids. I've mentioned it to just about anybody who will listen what you put out there, you know, what you're doing with your phone, what, you know, it goes back to the social media thing, what you're posting, you're putting it all out there. And, and when you're not paying for the product, or even if you are, you're the product. And, um, you know, we've seen it in the past. Everyone's like, oh, no, Snap, Snapchat's totally secure. And like after XYZ seconds, it erases off of your phone and it's not there anymore. Bull. They've pulled it all back out of the phone. That doesn't actually happen. But that's what they publicly said, but that wasn't what was really happening. Um, we've seen all the fiasco with TikTok of how they were using the data and how the end-user license agreement said, hey, even if you delete the app, you've already given us permission. We can still use your data. We have access to your phone and your you know, to your camera and your microphone. Once you give it, it's non-revocable. Um, I think it was something you were even mentioning a little bit earlier, um, Jeremy, just whenever we were texting, but... What some people don't realize, and this is not just an adult problem. They're doing this, you know, if your 13-year-old child is using these programs that are freely available, they're giving up their data too, and you, mom and dad, can't say a thing about it. At 13, they're allowed to enter into that contract, and their data is up for grabs. So, yeah, I mean, privacy is something that affects all of us. Um you know, as a Catholic, this uh, especially kind of hit a little bit home with me. I was, you know, 
kind of into the story and you know it's it but it is it's it's a big reminder of think about what you're putting out there and when you click accept you might want to pause for a few minutes and see what you're accepting because not everyone has you know hey newsflash not everyone has your best interest at heart and so that kind of leads us to our next topic which is something where uh apple is definitely claiming that they do have their best our best interest in mind with their latest plan to detect the possession of child sexual abuse materials, which we'll call CSAM because that's a huge mouthful. Um, so what Apple is claiming that they're going to do to protect our children from predators is to examine the data that their users have stored in iCloud to create a, uh, to use an algorithm to scan over all of the data in iCloud to create a hash or a, uh, a number that will be compared to photos that are um, already out there that have been captured. They will be compared to those photos to try to expose people that possess these things in their iCloud. Furthermore, uh, they claim that there's another uh, step to this where if you are part of an Apple family plan and you have a child under the age of 12, that this software will scan their messages to see if they are sending or receiving explicit material. It says that it will blur out the photo if it detects that it is uh, inappropriate and it will offer the child uh, the opportunity to understand what they are receiving. It says that it will provide them with resources to understand just exactly what they're getting into, and then it will allow them the opportunity to accept or deny the picture or information, whatever it may be. Um, after the age of 12, um, excuse me, I, I got a little ahead of myself. Um, while the, this is uh, for children under the age of 12, it will also send a copy of that information to the parents, whoever's, whoever's in the family plan. Uh, it will let them know that the child has sent or received this information. But once the child reaches the age of 13, the software will no longer do that. It will still blur out the photo. It will still obscure the information and let them know what they're potentially getting into, but it will not send the information to the parents. Which is, wow. well, it's strange to me, but it's also, I guess uh, that's like Will said, after they're the age of 13, the information is, is theirs and they, they're free to do with it what they want. But what we foresee here is a can of worms on a massive privacy issue. Now, of course, we do not condone any type of activity like this, but where does this lead in the future? Because it starts with a major hot button issue like sexual abuse materials. Where does that lead? Eventually, are they going to be scanning our phones for uh, information about drugs or drug dealers? Are they going to be trying to find the next terrorist through this? Like, I know they already do that, but that's like NSA level stuff. And we're talking about local information being monitored on your devices. Now, at the moment, most of this service takes place in the iCloud. So whatever you have on your phone is not susceptible to it. It's only what's in iCloud. And after they see that the hashes match some of the uh, information out there that should not be in your iCloud, they flag your account. And then someone from Apple gets to look at a low resolution photo or copy of the information on there to check and make sure that these are real matches to CSAM data. And then they will inform law enforcement of the, uh, the content in your iCloud. Well, this is strange to me because again, we don't know what else this is opening the door for. But also, all this does is tell people that want to have this kind of information, you can't do it with an Apple device. So does that stop them from doing it? 
No, because they can just run out and get an Android device and do the same thing. Or they can just keep the, the information on their phone and not upload it to iCloud. But how long is that going to last until they're harvesting the data directly from your phone and trying to catch people doing other things that are much less controversial than child sexual abuse materials? Wilts, Jay? Well, well like you said, it, it's um, by starting with such a hot-button issue, um, I, I guess to borrow an analogy from our earlier text, Jeremy, it, it allows you to kind of insert that frog into the water. Um, because I don't, I think I can go out on a limb and sit there and say that, you know, nobody that I know would be supportive of anything having to do with child abuse. Um, however, that water is going to get turned up. And, and as we've seen, it's like, okay, well, you know, just, just a little, we're just, we're just going to do, we're just going to look at this data. Well, we're just going to look at this data and well, maybe this data and, and we're seeing it in the Facebooks and the Twitters right now. And, you know, it's like a friend of mine a couple of months ago, you know, he got flagged and banned on Facebook because he made mention that he thought his dog was getting a little fat. And that was considered hate speech. Uh, his dog wasn't complaining. What? His dog had put on a couple of pounds. Guess what? You know, dogs do that. I had a, you know, I've had a dog that had a couple of extra pounds on her. And, you know, I wasn't saying it to be derogatory, but he got banned for that because, my gosh, he used that word. Um what slope are we getting here? How how hot is that water going to turn up, and how easy is it going to be for us to boil that frog? Yeah, I think it's it's great to want to try to protect children. That's all of our job. We should be trying to protect children and protecting each other. But this is such a slippery slope. I mean, the you know the the lines you can connect out of it is just it's um it's scary. It's beyond 1984 type scary. Well, the problem is, is that these these companies control. I mean, they have so much money, and they control such a big um, such a big portion of the of this marketplace. That is something that is, I mean, it's beyond prevalent in everyone, every single person's life, practically. That, and we see this every single day, or every single time we come on and do this show. But if I mean, if you you can visit a site. You know, like The Verge or Ars Technica or Engadget. I mean, it's it, these are all the stories. It's the same four or five companies that invade people's privacy. You know, and we 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 see these stories about oh the the this watchdog agency in Europe has fined Amazon three quarters of a billion euros or something like that. And and it's I mean it's just it's another day, and Amazon pays that off. It keeps on doing what they're doing, you know, and all, it, it's just that that's, I think, an issue that the other issue is. And that we, we've talked a little bit about I made a, a passing kind of goofy remark about, you know, who has the money for, you know, lobbying. I mean, these these companies have so much money that they just they they pay off not just our government, but they pay off everybody's government to to stay off their back and so you've got i mean everybody's getting paid except the people and the privacy of the people just gets further invaded and the watchdog agency the government or the people who are supposed to have our backs are getting paid to not have our backs by the people who are invading our privacy this is a growing problem it's a growing issue it happens in front of our face you know they're spitting on us and telling us it's raining and you know the man is in on it uh, as long as he's getting paid um and it's just a this is a growing issue and so i think so, to a certain extent like you guys have mentioned today the best thing that you as a consumer can do is be educated about this and and take measures to prevent yourself from being kind of hung out to dry now apple of course says Oh, well, this isn't going to lead to anything else. They've put out a five-page frequently asked questions where they're basically uh, trying to smooth over everybody's privacy concerns, and I think they do a poor job of it because how many times has Apple made a promise that they've broken? I was trying to Google this this morning, and all I could find was different songs on Apple Music called Broken Promises and such, but... <laughs> The bigger the bigger concern here is that they say, okay, well, we're not going to cooperate 
with governments to to uh, to analyze any other information on your device. That's kind of with the implication that it's right now, because we don't know 10 years down the road after we're so used to having our devices scanned for all this stuff, what they're going to try to do next. And as proponents of privacy, user privacy, privacy and data, we believe that this is a very slippery slope. And once you start allowing these things to happen, who draws the line and who regulates the regulators? And what's going to stop somebody who knows your iCloud information and you make them angry and they inject a bunch of this CSAM data into your iCloud? Who's going to prove them wrong? Who's going to say, oh, that wasn't mine? How do you even do that? So, or even more timely, what happens if you're, if you're familiar with the term swatting, which is when people who get angry online playing games call a SWAT team to someone's house saying, oh, this person had a gun or they've got a hostage in there or whatever. And people have been killed because they've had SWAT teams called to their house on a fake call. So what's going to prevent them from injecting this data into your iCloud? After you've made somebody mad. All right, guys, we're right up against the end of the show here. This is a this is a conversation we could do a whole show on, and uh, we should uh, dig back into it very soon. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, find the podcast of this show. We would love for you to take a listen to that anywhere you download your podcast. Just search Everyday Tech. So the remedy is next. Thanks for listening.